you have a light inside of you. You have life inside of you that is waiting to shine out. And ultimately, what I want for you in your life is for you to shine, for you to have who you are shine through, because that is one of the most beautiful things to witness. Welcome to episode 59 of the Leader Rising podcast. I'm your host and your coach, Paul Carvanis. So today is a big day. Today marks the day that the happy lawyer model of happiness gets released for consumption, for comment, and for improvement, really. I am in the middle of working on a book called The Happy Lawyer. Now, this process has three phases. Phase one is doing interviews of happy lawyers, miserable lawyers, looking for patterns, trying to separate causative and correlative patterns, and then using the information to create a protocol. Basically, do this, don't do this, and think of things this way, and you will be happier. Phase two is testing that. I think phase one might even be enough to write a book and others might do it, but that's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for what I want here. What I want is practical advice. Most of us know there are certain things in our life that if we do, our lives will run smoother and we may even be happier. And yet often we don't do them. And so reading a book that that tells you to do those things is only so helpful. What I really want to explore is what gets in the way, how we get past it, what is actually worth doing? Like, where is the juice worth the squeeze? So that's stage two. Stage three, we'll be actually writing the book. With the release of this model, the happy lawyer model of happiness, we're ready to start stage two. I don't think stage one will be done. I'm, I want to keep interviewing lawyers. I've interviewed 75 as of the time of recording, and there are still a few more that are in the works ahead, and hopefully a whole bunch more, because honestly, it's been wonderful to connect with people and to talk about this stuff. Hopefully, you have either come here through social media or through the website and you can see a picture of the model. If not, I'm going to take a brief moment to describe it so you can have a visual in your mind as I talk about it. What I'll invite you to do is imagine a clock face. At the nine, there's a bubble that says self-awareness. And then there's a line, an arrow that goes up and around the clock, clockwise, until you get to the three. And on the three, there is a different bubble called intentional action. And then underneath that, there's an arrow that goes all the way back to awareness. This is part one of the model. This is the part that I call the cycle. Hopefully, the arrows make it fairly obvious why. You're moving from self-awareness to intentional action to self-awareness to intentional action. It is a cycle. It is not a video game where you beat one level, move to the next one, beat it, and you beat the game. As much as it may be comfortable to think of it that way for us from time to time, life is not a video game, and it just doesn't really work like that. The second part of the happy lawyer model are the foci. Now, these are things that are in the clock face, in between the nine and the three. And there's three bubbles in there. Alignment, self-compassion, and excellence. And they're called the foci because each one of these things is something you focus on 
when you're in the cycle. As you're moving from awareness to action to awareness to action, you turn your focus to your alignment. You try and improve it. You assess how it went. Finally, part three of the happy lawyer model is the container or the foundation. And now you can actually view this as slightly outside of the clock. One above, one below. One of them is commitment, and the other one is community. These are the two things that the rest of the model is built upon, or that create the space that the rest of the model operates in. They're very important. Now, one thing I want to be clear with this is that this is my best effort so far. It is not perfect. It is not the finished product. And frankly, based on the way I like to learn and constantly improve, I don't know if it'll ever be the finished project. But I think it's pretty damn good. And so it's ready to put it out there and for us to start talking about. Before we do that, the ground rules. One, I want your feedback. I want to know what's resonating with you. I want to know where you have questions. I want to know where you think I'm off base. This is going to get better through all of us together working on it. I, I am proud of it, and I know it can get better. I am much more concerned with getting it right than being right here. So please, do pipe up. The second thing that I want to talk about is this is not meant to be a universal model of happiness. We'll get into it as I talk about the individual factors, but take excellence, for example. I don't know that excellence is universally in all models of happiness. I don't know if every person needs to be excellent in order to be happy. What I will say is that people like us, it probably does need to be there. And so don't think of this as a universal, it's going to be true in all cases. Just think about whether it's true in your case. Think about whether if certain things were done or implemented, if it would make a difference in your life. And frankly, that's one of the reasons I'm calling it the happy lawyer model for happiness, because I think it is a model for us, for us lawyers, and for those of us who aren't lawyers, but you know, share a lot of overlap. Okay, let's talk through the model a little bit. We'll start with the cycle. Step one, awareness. Why start with awareness? Well, because frankly, in my experience, we've it's always the best place to start. In particular, I feel as if one of my specialties is working with smart, introspective people who are stuck. And awareness is almost always the place to start. What's going on with your current reality? What are the stories you're telling yourself? And also, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? These are incredibly important. And they're incredibly important for leaning into the foci themselves. The other reason that awareness is important is because awareness is a prerequisite for intentional action. It's not a prereq for action. You can take action no matter what, but it's a prereq for intentional action because the awareness of what you want to be trying to do and where you want to try to go is what allows your action to be intentional. Why is intentional action important? Well, let's, let's parse this for a second. Why is action important? I'm hoping that this part is obvious. Action is important because without action, you are just stuck. And almost always, people who feel stuck aren't that happy. 
The other part of it is the intentionality. So the intentionality is what lets you focus on what is working for you. It is what lets you be precise about what you're doing and the effect you're trying to seek. If you don't have intentionality and you are just taking action, you are likely following the default behavior that has been programmed into you, whether it's by your society, by your parents, by your community. Now, presumably, if the default behavior lines up perfectly with your values and the life you want to live, then this could actually work out well for you. In practice, I have not really seen it to be the case. And a lot of the problems, one of the reasons we lean into awareness first, is that the default programming we've been given contradicts and confuses and puts us in a spot where we don't want to be. So if you have action without the self-awareness, then you don't have intentional action, you just have action, and you're just moving in any which direction. If you have self-awareness without the action, that's also what we call analysis paralysis, where you're just constantly thinking and not actually doing. This is why it's a cycle. You got to move in between the two. Both of them are incredibly important. Neither one is nearly as good on its own. One of the reasons I say we start with awareness though, is because our society seems very predisposed to action. Let's do these things. Let's create the to-do lists. Let's blah, 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 blah. It's very go, 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 getting all the shit done. So um, either way, the, the too long didn't read summary, both incredibly important. You got to be aware of what's going on. You need to act on it, even small actions. Then you need to lean into your awareness again. How did that work? Did it work? Should you double down on it? Should you try a different tack? So that's the first part of the model. The second part are the foci. This is, I'd say, the meat and potatoes, especially alignment, the first focus. Now, alignment is an umbrella term that I view a few different things. Um, It's your gifts. It's your priorities. It's your values. And it is how those three things compare with your reality. Is your reality aligned with who you are? For instance, I was talking with a lawyer who was happier now than she was a year ago. She had been promoted in the interim, and she was now leading a team, and I think two or three people working for her. And she found it very fulfilling. And in fact, the people part, the managing part, was the part she really liked most about her job. It wasn't the legal work. But including that stuff in there made her just generally happier. What this was, was one of her gifts was working with people and understanding how people work and being able to pick up on emotions and, and connect with others. And so when she was just at her desk drafting, that gift was wasted. And once she was able to work with people on a more direct basis, she was able to use her gift and it made her life better. It made her happier. So this is one example of how alignment with who you are is really important. Now, I do want to have a quick caveat here because for me, when I started my journey of self-discovery, I was super focused on the self-discovery part of it. Who am I? Well, I've come to learn that who we are is mutable. 
I was a different person 10 years ago and an even more wildly different person than 10 years before that. So who I am does change. So then it's important to ask, well, what about alignment then? What are you aligning yourself with if there's no sort of core of who you are? And I guess I'm trying to draw a distinction. There is a core of who you are, but there's not necessarily a final baked version of who you are. You will continue to change. And so don't worry about all of the details. Worry about the broad strokes and what's really important, like your gifts, your values, and the things you want to prioritize in life, whether that be family or creating something. People who lived more in alignment were happier. The second thing to talk about is self-compassion. This is pretty damn important. I, I guess, the, in theory, it's not necessary to be here, right? Because you can have a great life and you can be happy, even if you're not that compassionate towards yourself. The problem is when the rubber meets the road and something doesn't go perfect in your life. And you say something you wish you hadn't, or you go through a conversation a little differently or an interaction a little differently than how you wanted to, or you accidentally gave the wrong advice, or you snapped at your child when your intention for today was to be patient. You're not going to be perfect. And to the extent you need to be perfect in order to feel good about yourself, well, you might be served really well by leaning into some more self-compassion. Because the happy lawyers were the ones who went easy on themselves when things didn't work out exactly the way they wanted to. They forgave themselves. They accepted themselves for who they were. This, in turn, takes off a tremendous amount of pressure, pressure that we put on ourselves. Because what happens is if you conditionally love yourself, then you will love yourself only so long as the conditions are met, and you will be in fear of the conditions not being met. And when the conditions are not met from time to time, it will feel like the end of the world. The other thing that I include in the self-compassion piece is self-care, taking care of your your mind, your health, your wealth, getting enough sleep, eating right, and just generally doing the basics of, of what you need, Give, prioritizing yourself sometimes too. The third and final focus, and this may be the most contentious one, is excellence. So in many ways, this is the most controversial of the foci. So as I led with I'm sure that there are people out there who are happy who don't focus on excellence. So then the question, I guess, why is this in here? Well, I'll give you a few reasons. One, there's growth. Okay, so by focusing on becoming better, you grow. And people who are growing are generally more satisfied with who they are, where they are, and where they're heading. It builds their confidence, increases their self-efficacy. Another thing is what I like to call process over progress. When you focus on the process of becoming excellent rather than the milestones of the achievements you feel like you're supposed to get, what that does is allows you to be more in the moment instead of constantly striving for the finish line. I know I've been there and I suspect you have too, where you hit a finish line, you hit a goal and you're like, yeah, I did it. What's next? Like we, we almost give ourselves no time to celebrate because we're in this constant state of striving for this goal. Whereas instead, when you are just focusing on the process, instead of on the progress you're making towards a goal, 
It helps you get into flow. It helps you put things in perspective and keep things in perspective. And it helps the actual living of your life. The third reason this is in here uh, is an interesting one, actually. Schedule autonomy. Almost every happy lawyer cited the flexibility in their schedule and the control they had over their schedule as one of the things that was working really well for them and contributing to their life. Well, that's amazing. Great. Let's take away a lesson from this. Let's all take control of our schedules. Well, not so fast. A lot of us can't. Whether it's our bosses, whether it's our clients, we don't feel like we can fully control our schedule. Look, I think that for most of us, there is some low-hanging fruit. You know, we could set some slightly better boundaries, we could set some slightly different expectations, and we could, in fact, have at least a bit more control over our schedule. That's great, and I recommend you do it. But to really get the maximum amount of benefit, I think you just need to be so damn good that they can't ignore you. When you are that good, you do get to set boundaries, even more aggressive boundaries, and people will respect it. A client will be like, well, damn, yeah, I wish that Paul had done this work on the weekend. But I'll wait till Monday because I know it needs to be Paul because he's just so good at it. I don't trust anyone else in solving this problem. So this is why excellence is in here. Because by focusing on excellence, you get so good that you actually do get to have that schedule autonomy, which in turn will drive your happiness. Another thing which a lot, not all, but a lot of happy lawyers talked about was they loved having responsibility. They loved having a seat at the table. They loved having their voice heard. Having a seat at the table at work is a privilege. It's not a right. It is a privilege that is earned over time by, I would submit, being so damn good at what you do. So those are four reasons I think excellence is in here. I could have called it something else. I could have called it growth. And maybe if this was a more universal model for happiness, I might have. But for the happy lawyer model of happiness, I wanted to call it excellence because so many of us really do care about our work and about what we create and who we are in this world. And excellence is the word that most reflects a great relationship with that focus in your life. The final thing to talk about is the container, commitment and community. Community, community, community. We could have an entire podcast episode just about community. In some of the earliest iterations of the Happy Lawyer model of happiness, I tried to narrow this down to just three three things. And community was something that was always there from the very beginning. It is that important. Almost everyone I interviewed cited good people in their life as a reason that things were working well. The happy lawyers talked about it. The unhappy lawyers talked about it too. We are social creatures and having people we love and people we like in our lives makes a big difference. So for the happy people, happy lawyers, it made them happier. For the unhappy lawyers, it still made them happier, even if it didn't push them over the threshold. It's important to realize that there are different groups of people in your life. There's your family. There are your friends, and your friends are probably divided up into multiple groups, of which your inner circle might be one and your acquaintances might be another. There are your colleagues. I have a big community of of people I know through 
the neighborhood school, other parents and kids who I know because Ronan has been in daycare with them or because we've been playing soccer with them on the field. You have these different communities. Now, even apart from us being social creatures and these communities having value in our lives because of the intrinsic value they have, communities are more important even than that. There's a, there's a saying by Jim Ron. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So in a way, what Jim Ron is saying is true. When you hang around with people who complain and judge others, they will drag you down. When you hang around with people who are positive, who are optimistic, who bring great energy to situations, they will generally lift you up. People who believe that things can be done, you hang around them, you probably are more likely to feel that things can be done. And even if it's not an absolute, it's still a spectrum. There are still more things that you feel like you can do, which in turn gives you confidence and puts you in choice instead of feeling stuck. All very important. So community is incredibly powerful. It's a tool, and like any tool, it can be used for good or for ill. You can surround yourself about people who are always victims, always blaming someone else, and always looking for what's going wrong. And you can surround yourself from people who believe they can, who believe you can, and who will support you. And you can do the same for them. So this doesn't need to be binary. It's not like you need to cut everyone loose, particularly not if they're family. That's pretty hard. But recognizing it is on a spectrum, you can spend less time around certain people and more time around others. So it's a tool just like money. And just like money, it can be used for good or for ill. Leverage your communities for good. The final piece is commitment. In many ways, choosing happiness. I think Brene Brown says something about this. Something about choosing happiness in life is an act of resistance. When you focus on your alignment, you will undoubtedly be making decisions at times that go against what culture, what our society says we need to be doing. It can feel like unstable ground out there. You're the only one doing something and you feel like you're even more exposed if something goes wrong. It's not always going to be easy. And so commitment is what helps carry you through the rough patches. And now commitment looks a lot of different ways. It could be a promise to yourself that you keep. It could be getting an accountability partner. It could be, and this is something pretty obviously that I believe in, it could be hiring a coach to work with you and keep you accountable. It could be joining a community, a community of others who want to be doing the same thing, who will help support each other's commitment. None of these are mutually exclusive. You can do all of them together and it will help get you through the tough periods. One of the things that came up while I was interviewing is I noticed a bunch of the happy lawyers had been talking about having been deeply unhappy earlier in their careers. Now, part of this is maybe us just going through the dip and earning our stripes. And part of it may be that life is just hard from time to time. And so having the important things in your life is what helps you make it through those tough times. So this is the model. There are a few things that I wanted in here even more. 
I wanted something to do with the body, like whether it's health and working out, whether it's the body's wisdom and sensing your emotions in there. I wanted it in there. I think pieces of it have been incorporated. When you lean into awareness, sometimes that is leaning into the body's wisdom. When you lean into self-compassion and alignment, often that is leaning into being uh, doing exercise and taking care of yourself. I wanted a little bit more in here around expectations because I couldn't help but see and this certainly resonated with me, that some of the unhappy lawyers had expectations in their life that weren't being met. They expected to be happy, maybe. That was certainly, that has been me. They expected to be, that work would go more smoothly, or they expected to not have problems with colleagues, or they expected this or that. And the bottom line was not all of their expectations were met. And conversely, some of the happy lawyers talked about being realistic with their expectations as something that would work for them, as recognizing that life isn't all sunshines. And so they've considered themselves happy, even though they weren't happy from time to time, even though life was hard and they felt like they were suffering from time to time. I'm still not sure what to make of this. On the one hand, it feels like lowering your expectations might solve the problem. On the other hand, I am not yet comfortable with advocating for a solution where you just lower your expectations. Um, it could be that it's both. You know, There's a reality lever and a perspective lever, and if you want things to change, we either change what they are or you change how you see them. And so it could be that we do both at the same time, but I'm not totally sure yet how that fits in. Right before we sign off, I just want to talk for a second about this process. It's been such a privilege to be able to get to connect with so many people. It's been such a privilege to have people trust me and share with me details about their life, private details. I have faith in humanity. These are all good people. We are surrounded by good people. It's hard for me to adequately communicate with you right now the depth of my feeling for you and for this process. The world is beautiful. You are beautiful too. You have a light inside of you. You have life inside of you that is waiting to shine out. And that is what we are trying to unlock here. What is happy? I've got a few thoughts on it, but I honestly think that there's as many definitions of happy as there are people who've been thinking about it. It means something different to each one of us. It's such a charged word that way. And ultimately, what I want for you in your life is for you to shine, for you to have who you are shine through, because that is one of the most beautiful things to witness. It will be one of the most beautiful things in your life. It will be one of the most beautiful things in the lives of the people around you. And if you are a parent, look no further than the kids who look up to you. Because if you tell them to be happy in life, and then you go to a job that drains you every day and you come home feeling stuck and you take out that frustration on your family, even subconsciously, that teaches them one thing. But instead, if you tell them nothing, but you just show them what it's like to live fully, to take risks from time to time, to celebrate yourself when they work, and to celebrate yourself when they don't and hold yourself with compassion and with love. And that is a f 
lesson for them to take away for their own lives. And that is what I hope for all of us. So it's been an incredible privilege to be doing this work. I'm so excited for where it's going to go next. As we move into phase two, I want to actually test this out there. Let's see what works. Let's see what doesn't. I'm, I'm positive that by getting a group of people together who want to support each other in living more authentic, more aligned, more compassionate, more happy lives, that the end result is inevitable. And so I'm looking for five lawyers who are committed to becoming happier in their lives. If that's you, reach out to me. Leaderrising.com slash contact and just send me a message. Happy lawyer. I'll take care of the rest. Or you can email me at paul at carvanis.com. Regardless, I appreciate you. Until next time, dream big, live bigger, and shine on. <laughs>